Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I think one of the things that makes our relationship really strong is that we share everything. Most recently, um, sore throat and runny nose due to the common cold virus. Um, Thanks for that, by the way. Well, I don't believe that I gave that to you. I think mine was allergies and you got sick and that's unrelated. Oh, I see. Okay. I got you. (laughs) Last episode, I talked about the tri-state crematorium. Mm where that was the deal where 300 and some odd bodies were not uh, were not cremated, just kind of thrown in the yard. Just horrendous. It was pretty pretty terrifying. You found some new information on that. I did. Um, and I posted it on our social meds, as you say. Um, yeah, uh, Ray Brent Marsh, who was the uh, guy who ran the crematorium, um, was actually released from jail. And part of his release deal was that he pay restitution and all that, but also that he write a handwritten apology to each of the families who were directly affected by this and um, and then a, an apology to the community as well. And so I had shared the, the letter and also a photo of the Garden of Peace, which was created mm-hmm. where that space was formerly the crematorium, but now just a, a piece of land they, they've set aside. We also got an email from uh, one of our freak listeners who says, My great-grandfather Arthur was one of those bodies. Oh. I was 14 or 15 when my dad had to pick up the correctly cremated ashes. I had no idea what they were. I didn't know what had happened. I came home from school to see this box of ashes on the dining room table. Only after opening it and smelling it, 
Did I ask my parents what it was? Oh, man. In parentheses, she writes, Guys, always tell people in the same household if you've brought human remains home. It's the polite thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any hoozle. After it happened, the recommended thing to do was to have somebody go into the cremation room with your deceased loved one to make sure that it's done correctly. Now, my dad did this for my great uncle, and most recently, my grandmother, Arthur's daughter. She made my dad swear to her that he would be there with her till the very end so the same thing would not happen to her. And he did it, which apparently was just recently because she said, then a week later, you guys cover this on your podcast. Oh, my goodness. I can't help but take it as a sign. My grandmother was an amazing woman who proudly flew her freak flag and dared anyone to challenge it. Sounds like I would have loved this lady. I guess I just wanted to say thanks for covering a small town story that affected me personally. Uh, Raven. Hey, Raven, thanks. That's amazing. And what a wonderful way to to show love is doing something that must have been so hard for him. Mm. But, yeah. I don't know, it makes me f- have feelings. Anywho's. Also, don't sniff human remains. Mm-mm. We do not recommend that. Now, wasn't there like a rock band or something where there was a rumor that yeah. some one of them had Keith snorted? Richards. Keith Richards said he snorted his dad's ashes. It was a joke. Okay. Now, he really did say that, but later he said, nah, I was, I was joking. Uh, <laughs> like that. Because uh-huh. that's how Keith Richards talks. Maybe that's just, maybe that's his secret to his eternal life. Yeah, because people say he will outlive everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, He's probably one of the undead. He's probably been alive for 800 years. (laughs) And it's due to snorting corpse ashes. I think you're onto something there, sweetie. Thank you. Gave him lots of time to practice his guitar. I appreciate your support. What do you have this episode? Oh, it's my turn. It is indeed. Okay. Today I wanted to talk about Pedro Rodriguez Filo. Okay. Are you familiar? No, no, I am not. Um, his nickname is uh, Pedrino Matador, or Killer Petey. Killer Petey. He was born on a farm in Brazil in 1954. He actually was born with an injured skull, which was the result of beatings that his father had inflicted upon his mother oh. while mom was pregnant. Oh, my God. And... Um, the horrible relationship, a uh, horrible thing to to be born into, didn't have a lot working for him from the very beginning. So Pedro committed his first murder when he was 14 years old. Pedro's dad had been fired from his job by the town's vice mayor. And um, the, his dad had been working as a school guard, and he had allegedly stolen food from the school. So Pedro shot the vice mayor in front of City Hall with a shotgun. When he was 14? When he was 14. Wow. Pedro became very famous throughout his life and let's call it criminal career for targeting victims who, for the most part, weren't just average everyday people. Uh, Described by one analyst as the perfect psychopath, Mm. Pedro went after other criminals and those who he believed to have wronged him. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say what, what year this was? Well, he was born in 1954. Okay, all right. So late 60s was when he began his murderous killing spree. 
His second murder wasn't much long after his first. Uh, he went on to murder another guard who was supposedly the actual food thief. So his dad was accused of stealing food, so he was fired. Um, so he killed the guy that fired his dad and then the guy who supposedly was the actual food thief. Wow, he's thorough. So he moved to uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil and got into some light burglary. And um, Which, by the way, has one-third less calories than your regular burglary. <laughs> but just as much flavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he killed a drug dealer. Then he met a lady who he fell for hard. Her name was Maria Apercida Olympia. And the two lived together until she was killed by gang members. Uh oh. This spurred a bit of a spree for Pedro, who, to revenge her death, murdered and tortured several people in an attempt to find out the identity of the gangster who killed Olympia. And the word is that he had 10 kills under his belt before he was 18 years oh old. Oh my God. Right? Are you I try me? to think about the things that I did before I was 18. And I was biting my nails. I mean, I had gotten out of a few speeding tickets. At that point, it's pretty That's much, pretty much the it. extent yeah. of it. Yeah. I left the garage door open when we lived in Arizona and Javelinas came in and, and ate our trash. I think it's so cool that you had Javelinas come into your home. Oh, I'll I tell love that. them. I'll tell that story one time. Okay. How I was, I was chased through the desert by wild pigs. <laughs> it was a good day. You're so lucky. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, They're mean. So... Philo's father, as we talked about, not nice, not a great guy, very abusive to uh, his mom. And he eventually ended up murdering Pedro's mother with a machete. Um, So he was doing time at a local prison. And Pedro visited his father in jail where he killed him by stabbing him 22 times. He killed his father. He killed his father because his father killed his mother. I see. But... He killed the principal, the vice principal, for firing him. Right. Because... He's just writing wrongs. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like Sam Beckett. You know, Quantum Leap style. Quantum Leap, yeah. Anyway. Hit him up Quantum Leap style. So he killed his dad by stabbing him 22 times. But then... He cut out a piece of his heart and chewed on it for a while before he spit it out and threw the rest away. Well, that's wasteful. I feel like that was just, it was his way of working through some big feelings. (laughs) Yeah. So he takes a big bite out of his dad's heart, sticks it between his cheek and gum like a plug of chaw. What you got in there? Some skull? Dad. So Pedro was arrested May 24th, 1973, and he was placed and he was placed in a police car with two other criminals, including a rapist. And when they got to the police station, uh, they opened the car door and discovered that Pedro had killed the rapist oh in the back of the police God. car. Then he was sentenced to prison. He killed at least four more inmates while incarcerated. And it's reported that the convicts that Philo killed while incarcerated were those that he felt deserved retribution. Okay. Going back to the ride to the police station sure. with Killer PD yes. and the rapist, there was another person in the backseat too? Uh-huh. And he didn't kill the other person? No. Can you imagine being that guy? Yeah. Just sitting there going, uh, after the other guy's dead, 
looking over at Petey. Uh, got, got any gum? Um, yeah. See that moon? You, 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 you seem nice. It's a big one, huh? You getting enough air over there, Petey? In most cases, Philo targeted various kinds of criminals. He would find them by looking up their names and addresses before brutally killing them in a variety of ways, though he stated that his favorite way to murder criminals was by stabbing and or hacking them to death with blades. Uh, He was usually spurred to act after hearing that a specific crime had been committed. And the specifics as to what he felt was a murderable offense. Punishable by death. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, But in 2003, he was sentenced to 128 years in prison. But Brazilian law prohibits anyone spending more than 30 years behind bars. Hmm. So due to the crimes committed inside the prison, his sentence was changed. At one point, he was sentenced to 400 years in prison, but he was released after 34 years. So he was he spent the 30 years that they allow, mm-hmm. and then he was sentenced to an additional four years for those murders that he committed while in prison. So 34 years served in prison. Wow. So he served 34 years in prison. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got out, he was 50. Is that right? You said he was born in 54. Uh Uh-huh. And he got out in 2004? 2007. Oh, okay. All right, so 53. He's got plenty of good killing years left. Well, he was arrested again at his home in September of 2011. Of course he was. And convicted of false imprisonment and um, starting a riot. He admitted that the only reason he wanted to be out of prison was because he had a lady outside of prison. Uh, But he was sentenced to 128 years in prison for the charges of uh, false imprisonment and starting a riot. So um, that doesn't exactly make sense that he served 34 years for multiple murders and then was sentenced to 128 years for false imprisonment and starting a riot. Times change. But I do think that probably who he was and his his previous history might have played a part into <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. Um, he currently remains incarcerated, in case you're curious. And his total confirmed victims, though he claims he's killed over 100, his total confirmed victims are 71. Good God in heaven. He is Brazil's most prolific serial murderer um, and also known as the killer of killers. Killer of killers. And, and, and he preferred to stab them. Right. Or hack at them. So he was he was really quite hands-on. Yes. There, uh, as... I mean, it's one thing if you killed 70 people with a machine gun, you know, with with an automatic weapon. And certainly that's horrific. But imagine the effort that has to go into killing 71 people when you do it with a jackknife or whatever he happened to have at the time. A spork. It's a lot lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. It, It must have been. He's very fit. It's from yeah, all that sh- hacking. Showing me, yeah, he's got a lot of upper body strength there. Mm-hmm. From all the all the hacking and bludgeoning, all the blade work. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. That's Pedro Rodriguez Filo. What would it be like to be his cellmate? I don't think I'd sleep well. Well, I mean, he tends to be pretty like uh, he gets right on it. Yeah. You know. So uh, if you make it past a few days, I think as long as you 
you stay cool with him, right. you're going to be okay. Maybe it's a good thing because if somebody wrongs you as his cellmate, maybe ah. he would see that as a slight and yeah. protect you. Other people wouldn't mess with you as right. much. Yeah. yeah. You want to find the right person to kind of align with. It's it's like Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> That would be an amazing reality show. <laughs> they just put random people in the cell with this guy and see what happens. I don't. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, obviously, I'm not making light of the fact that this guy murdered a bunch of people. It's just fascinating how that kind of brain will find the justifications mm-hmm. and say, like, this is okay. This yeah. is, you know, yeah. but and his brain obviously had a lot of business going on due to that frontal lobe injury. Sure. Anyway. Fascinating stuff. Thanks for sharing. I had not heard of this guy. Some some wild, wild, crazy stuff. Yeah. That was great, sweetie. Thank you, my love. We were going to call this segment Kevin, but it didn't do well in focus groups. So now we call it That Thing in the Middle. Pompeii was destroyed by the volcano of Vesuvius in AD 79. And what's interesting about going to visit the ruins is how well-preserved mundane life was because of the fine-grained volcanic ash. For example, they excavated bakeries that still had bread in the oven. Right. I love that. Graffiti still covers the walls. And that brings us to five amazing pieces of graffiti found in Pompeii. Number five, Restituta. Take off your tunic, please. Show us your hairy privates. Number four. We, two dear men, friends forever, were here. If you want to know our names, they are Gaius and Alias. Florinius, privileged soldier of the 7th Legion, was here. The woman did not know of his presence. Only six women came to know him. Too few for such a stallion. Number two. Weep, you girls. My penis has given you up. Now it penetrates men's behinds. Goodbye, wondrous femininity. (laughs) And to follow that up, number one, Theophilius, don't perform oral sex on girls against the city wall like a dog. That's very specific. (laughs) Very specific indeed. Yeah, not much has changed. (laughs) Not much has changed at all. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. You know, with two episodes of The Box of Oddities every week uh, and the amount of research that that, that has proven to take, uh, thank God for Audible and the audio books that they make available. So I'm able to drive around, listen to uh, a book that I'm using to research for a topic on The Box of Oddities and still get some errands done. Yeah. Basically, I like to think of it as like, so I'm a cheerleader and what do we want? Books. How do we want them? So we don't actually have to read them. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a lot it. going on. Life is busy. And it seems to be speeding up every single month. It gets faster and faster. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older. Yes. But it's, it's harder. A perspective thing. Your years are many. Your days left are few. Oh, thank you. That's really depressing. But even more reason to check out Audible. Get your favorite book. For example, a, a couple of episodes ago, we, we talked about The Alchemist. Mm. Paulo Coelho. It's a beautiful book to listen to. It's so poetic. And what an amazing message that that particular book has. Audible helps you listen to more books like The Alchemist by letting you switch seamlessly between devices. Let's say, because I, you know, I have it on my on my phone, I have it on my tablet. 
And so wherever you leave off, it'll sync up on your other devices. And Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. You can go to audible.com slash box and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening a hora. Or you can text box to 500 500 and get started that way. Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over. It's a pretty big deal. Again, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash box or text box to 500-500 to get started. It's the closest thing to learning by osmosis you're ever going to get to. And you can pretend like you read audible.com slash box or text box to 500 500 and get started today audible we approve thumbs up let's talk about things that i'm good at i'm good at parallel parking yes i can't think of anything that's pretty much it um you know what i'm not good at though what historically Remembering to take my vitamins. Yeah, but not anymore. You've been really good. And so have I. It, it, I'm like the laziest guy in the world, but I remember to take all my vitamins and I take several. And it's because of Care Of. Yep. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Now you take a little uh, online quiz, which is fun. It's just click, 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 and they want to know about you. Yeah, it's like a questionnaire. They want to know about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It takes like five minutes, but it finds out what it needs to get you the vitamins and supplements specifically for your fancy body. It could be fancier though with the proper vitamins. For example, in my case, among other things, I have a vitamin D deficiency mm -hmm. and that's addressed in my vitamin pack. And the packs come personalized. They have your name right on it and a little uh, interesting facts. Here's one. I, I saved this. I wanted to, this is the kind of thing that you'll get. Uh, today's fact, this is in my little care of packet. Some experts believe the human eye can distinguish up to 10 million different colors. 10 million? Isn't that fascinating? It really is. Meanwhile, my vitamin packs are almost entirely geared toward making my gut work right. Yay! They've got uh, vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. They offer pre- and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. And this is cool too. You can track your progress with the Care Of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. It's so easy to take your vitamins. You get this little pack. It's the way to do it. Get your Cara vitamin packs made specifically for you and get 25% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code BOX. Special offer just for our uh, freaks here at the Box of Oddities. TakeCareOf.com promo code BOX. Get 25% off your first month of personalized Care of vitamins. Start taking care of yourself. Care of. See what you did there? That's beautiful. Love you, care of. More fun than a Civil War reenactment without the smell of fried chicken, sweaty wool, and sunscreen. This is The Box of Oddities. Here's an interesting quote. One man's life is a boring thing. I lived many lives. I am never bored. Stanley Clifford Wayman. Who is Stanley Clifford Wayman, you may ask? Well, who is Stanley Clifford Wayman? I told you. 
He was an American multiple imposter who impersonated public officials, including the United States Secretary of State and various military officers. Is he the catch me if you can guy? Nope, but it certainly follows that pattern. He was born in 1890 and lived to August 27th, 1960. This is a court. I get my information from allthingsinteresting.com and Wikipedia. Okay. His parents could not afford a college tuition, so he worked a lot of nondescript jobs. But on occasion, he ventured to become somebody in higher society, someone higher up the social ladder. In 1910, Wayman's first imposture was um, as U.S. consul representative to Morocco. Mm. He, he would pick these really specific things because people would think, well, he wouldn't make that up. He uh, spent the time dining in the finest restaurants of New York City. He was eventually arrested for fraud. Next, he took the role of both a military attache from Serbia <laughs> and a U.S. naval lieutenant. And the reason he did both at the same time is because he used each of them as references. Oh, smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that worked for a while, but he was caught again. Oh. Wayman was released the second time in 1915. He then became Lieutenant Commander Ethan Allen Weinberg, Consul General to Romania. He actually went on board the USS Wyoming and inspected it. <laughs> now, uh, I mean, all many of these are military related. Yeah. So, did he have actual military experience? Nope. Did his parents or mm, I don't there... know about that, but okay, just... no, he just I, I think he just felt that that was a way that it would be easy for him to assume another um, identity. Okay. As Lieutenant Commander Ethan Allen Weinberg, Consul General to Romania, uh, after he was done inspecting the USS Wyoming, he invited everyone to dinner at the Astor Hotel. Oh. The advanced publicity uh, apparently pricked up the ears of the Bureau of Investigation, which was the forerunner to the FBI. Mm -hmm. Federal agents arrested him at the party. He was heard to complain that they should have waited until dessert. <laughs> he got a year in jail for that. In 1917, he took the mantle of Royal St. Cyr, a lieutenant in the Army Air Corps. Uh, he was arrested for that when he was on an inspection tour of the Brooklyn Armory. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was ratted out by, quote, a suspicious military tailor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he saw that his uniform wasn't uh, proper. or so, I don't know. But anyway, the suspicious military tailor alerted the police. Listen. And he was arrested again. Military tailors aren't putting up with your shit, okay? No. no. Never mess They've with... They've seen a lot. <laughs> They've seemed a lot, too. What? <laughs> Jokes. Weinman was paroled in 1920 for that little debacle. Did he give up? No. Afterwards, he forged <laughs> credentials to become a company doctor in Lima, Peru. There, he threw lavish parties until his credit ran out and he was arrested. Oh, God. So he moves on. Um, He's so well-traveled. I'm so jealous. Yep. In 1921, he noticed Princess would it be Fatima or Fatima? Because mm. I've heard it both ways. I think ways. Fatima. Okay. Princess Fatima of Afghanistan was visiting the United States, and she was trying to get an official recognition, but was not having any luck. The U.S. State Department pretty much just ignored her. Again, this is 1921. So Wayman visited her as a State Department Navy liaison officer and apologized for the oversight. <laughs> 
and he promised to arrange an appointment with the president. Now, he managed to get her to give him 10000 bucks. Uh-huh. Now, you, you would think that he's a con man. He would take the money and disappear. Nope. He uh, used the money to hire a private railway carriage to Washington, D.C. and an opulent hotel room at the Willard Hotel. Hey. Yeah, the Willard. We've walked by there. Never stayed there, but we've walked by it. Right. That's when we stayed at the Liaison in D.C. And they had the most amazing lemon pancakes. And I still think about them, like, on the regular. So anyway, he hired this luxury railway carriage and opulent hotel rooms at the Willard for the uh, princess and her entourage just to help perpetuate the whole thing that he was legit. He took her money and he spent it on her. Wayman proceeded to visit the State Department. He went in and he dropped a bunch of names of prominent senators that he didn't even know. And he succeeded in getting the appointment with uh, first the Secretary of State, Charles Evan Hughes. Mm -hmm. And on the 26th of July, 1921, he got her in to visit Warren Harding, President Harding. Whoa. So he was, I mean, rather than a con man who would, like you said, take the money and run, he was investing in his career as a con man. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) He He wasn't in it for the money. Right. He was in it for the adventure. Like his quote said, I lived many lives. Wayman's minor mistakes in the protocol aroused some suspicion. But when the press released his picture alongside with other dignitaries, the jig was up. Uh, He was indicted for impersonating a naval officer and sentenced to two years in jail. In one case, the evening graphic newspaper called for Wayman to get an interview with visiting Queen Marie of Romania. He gained admittance as the Secretary of State and the paper got its interview. So they hired him to infiltrate. They hired him to lie his way in <laughs> to That's get an interview. evil. <laughs> in 1926, Wayman appeared at Rudolph Valentino's funeral, just showed up, and he attached himself to Valentino's grieving lover, Pola Negri, and claimed he was her personal physician. He issued regular press releases on her condition. What? <laughs> Did she, did she not notice that this was happening? Or uh, Well, I don't know. I think maybe she thought that Rudolph Valentino had hired him and, oh. you know, that kind of thing. So he essentially did actually become her personal physician in, in her eyes. He issued those regular press releases on her condition and then established a faith healing clinic at Valentino's house. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, after he was exposed, Pola Negri did not condemn him. She just said, yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. Because he didn't do any harm. He didn't sure. steal anything. You know, it was just weird. During World War II, Wayman was sentenced to seven years in prison for offering advice to draft dodgers. He told them how to feign various medical conditions. It goes on. In 1948, Wayman made up credentials to become a journalist for the United Nations. He got acquainted with delegates Warren Austin and Andre Gromyko, and his comeuppance came when the Thai delegation invited him to become their press secretary with full diplomatic accreditation. Wow. Wayman contacted the State Department and asked whether it would affect his U.S. citizenship. They already knew him all too well and arrested him again. In 1954, Wayman tried to get a $5,000 home improvement loan for a house that did not exist. While he was in uh, court, he failed to convince the judge that he was insane. After that, he... I buy that he was insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but in a very delightful way. Right, and clever. 
after that incident, he more or less trod the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. He became a night porter in a New York hotel where he worked. Okay. Didn't do any impostering after that. Or so we know of. In 1960, while working at the hotel in New York, a robbery took place. Wayman rushed to the aid of the people that were being robbed and tried to stop it. In the process, he was shot and killed. Oh, my goodness. The investigating detective said, I've known about this man's past record for years and years. He did a lot of things in the course of his life, but what he did this time was brave. Mm. And that's how his life ended. So was that a life well lived, do you think? From his perspective... Right. I it mean, was. every really all the things that he did were brave. I mean, that is some yep. ballsy stuff. Yep. Um, it's nice, though, that he ended it on a, a note of bravery for someone else's benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, too. Again, his quote was, one man's life is a boring thing. I've lived many lives. I'm never bored. That's really cool. Stanley Clifford Wayman. Interesting guy. Super interesting. I met a guy that was kind of following that pattern once. When I lived in uh, Tucson, Arizona, a friend of mine worked at um, a club that was there at the time called Studebaker's. He was like a DJ there at Studebaker's. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and he said, John Paul Jones, the bassist for Led Zeppelin, is down here hanging out. I went, "Uh uh-huh. He said, no, really, seriously, you should come down. So I went down because I love me some Zeppelin. Sure. And first thing I did was try to find a picture of John Paul Jones on an album cover. I've never been able to find a picture of John Paul Jones really? on an album cover. I'm sure, you know, this was like before the internet. So, right. well, this guy had been staying at um, the um, Westward Look Resort in Tucson. Nice upscale place. Sure. And uh, apparently he had been getting free drinks and free meals because everybody was buying him stuff thinking he was John Paul Jones. So I go down. And I'm sitting next to him at the bar and we're talking. He's talking. He knows a lot about, you know, the tours and everything. And then he finds out that I'm in radio, which I was at the time. And he immediately turned on me. I I became the biggest asshole in the world Mm -hmm. to him. And my guess was because he figured I knew a lot about Led Zeppelin and that I would ferret him out. Right. So he just became a total jerk and he threw a drink at me. And I never said anything to him other than I was in radio. And you know, he was a big blow up. Well, come to find out later, um, he actually had worked as a roadie for the Moody Blues at one point and knew some of the people on the Zeppelin tours mm-hmm. back in the old days and was using that to get free stuff. And he was arrested. So, Oh, good. Yeah. I don't think that Stanley would have thrown a drink at me. No, no. absolutely not. No. So I'm done and I didn't lose my voice during the the podcast, which I'm quite happy with. You sound great. (laughs) The Box of Oddities, twice a week. We love hanging out with you. You're our freak family. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. (laughs) Fly it proudly, beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. 
Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts